Counter the latest internet sensation. You might be going to go down as a Hall of Fame fighter. So exciting. Is this dinner too tacky for the Donald? These bogans are triple M. This is a magnificent specimen of mankind. Can I say hi? Good morning, Seb, and good morning to all your listeners. Hi! Weekend Breakfast with Seb Costello on Triple M. It is eight degrees at five past seven. A very good morning, and this is the weekend breakfast with Seb Costello for Eagle Ridge Golf Club. And you never know what you're going to get on this program. Maybe you'll learn a little something about yourself. Maybe you'll even decide whether or not you care to return. That's unlikely, but it's unpredictable. Like the time Steve Waugh dropped the magic word on the hot breakfast. Well, I was 99 not out. <laughs> I remember and watching Mark, that at home. You're right. Mark was a runner at the other end because I think Craig McDermott was injured, or one of the bowlers was injured, and. I, I sort of on the back foot, dropped one down, I fucking remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> Steve Waugh's on the program this morning, and this guy's excited. Come on now, don't get no bad in that, I, I promise you, anybody can do it. Keep working hard, come on now. And that's because Danny Green is coming up, Ashton Agar on the show as well, and up next, the great Peter Hitchener, with three things you need to know. And Hitchy, what's your latest foray into social media? The Snapchat account, and Pinterest and Facebook, and Instagram. You are all over it, mate. Three things you need to know. Hitch is going to tell us about something that 15 million Australians are about to do. One, two, three. Here is the three things you need to know about with Channel 9's Peter Hitchner. It is a staple. Don't we love having Peter Hitchner as part of the program? Three things you need to know. And Hitchy, this weekend, it is three things you need to know about... The federal election. Ah, this will be interesting. All right, hit us, number one. The federal election is on July the 2nd, the same day that Lindsay Lohan was born. That's unfortunate. The election? or anyway, what's number two? There are 150 electorates, each with a different name. Some of them are very sensible names, like Stanley, Bruce and Bert. Bert is a very sensible name, Hitchy. I agree with you. What's number three? 15 million Australians are registered to vote in the federal election. Some of them actually will. I'm still to meet one, but it's a very good point. Hitchy, thank you. Three things we needed to know about the federal election. That was the three things you need to know with Peter Hitchner. We like to have fun on this program, but we also bring you the news that you need to know. And I want to be careful with this one because it's just reports at the moment, but this report comes from the London Sun, one of the biggest selling tabloids in the UK, and they have just put online that the nine children of Muhammad Ali have been rushed to his bedside. As you may know, the boxing legend was taken to hospital in Phoenix, Arizona, earlier in the week after he suffered breathing problems, obviously complicated by his Parkinson's condition. But that is a development that's just happened this morning, a report that the nine children of the greatest, Muhammad Ali, have been rushed to his bedside. Now, that's all we know. We can only hope for the best and hope that he is in the very best of care because that man means a lot to a lot of people and we would hate for that situation to deteriorate. In the 20th century, the sporting landscape was indeed a wide world. But with the advent of the interweb communication and global overpopulation, the sporting universe is bigger than ever. And champions beyond the traditional games deserve their recognition. Presenting the weekend breakfasts, glittering galaxy of sport. And don't the kids love it? This man is a champion, 115 kilos, 188 centimetres of pure power, 
and he's also just been named the fastest lumberjack in the world after winning the Steel Timber Sports Champions Trophy event. Morning, Braden Meyer. How you going? Mate, what is the lumberjack event? What do you have to do to win it? Um, well, you first start off with a steel 661 Magnum chainsaw. Um, you cut one disc with with that saw, um, then you run over and cut an underhand off, which is the log you stand on with an axe, um, and then you run back to the traditional cross-cut saw, saw one of them wheels off, and then you run back and cut the standing block. And uh, if you pretty much have the quickest time, you win. And how quickly did you do it in? Uh, 103 was my fastest time on that day. Very nice, mate. I see you're from Broadford. That's Barry Hall country, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So they're pretty tough out there in Broadford. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> but how do you train for woodchop? How often are you out there swinging an axe? Um, we're probably out there three three nights a week at home. Um, I've got my own training ring set out at um, home, and I do a lot of CrossFit training with um, a few people at the footy club and that sort of stuff as well. Oh, you play footy? Yeah, I'm playing footy today, actually. Oh, where at? Uh, Rupert's Wood. Very nice, I'm mate. Good. What are we, a big sort of power kick-it-to-me, kick-it-to-me forward? No, nah, a bit of a centre forward sort of type. Yeah? yeah, I'd be pretty intimidated if I was lining up against a bloke that could do lumberjack in one minute three seconds. Yeah, no, nah, it's not too bad. There's a few <laughs> people that don't like lining up against me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, don't put the axe in the footy bag, mate. How long have you been uh, swinging the axe? Uh about ten years. I started when I was nine. Yeah, uh, right. That's Shepherd Show. So it's been a, a tough ten years, and now it's started to get the rewards. Have you got a family background in it? Yeah, um, I'm fourth generation on both sides of the family. Yeah, right. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty well brought in, born into it, and um, I've got cousins and all that as well that chop as well. <laughs> so you're kind of like you know the ultimate purpose-bred woodchop champion, four generations on both sides. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Magnificent, mate. Uh, and will you be defending the title next year? Um, well, we've got our own Australian series this year, um, so it's all point series. So I'm sitting second in that at the moment. And that's all going to be aired on 7 mate um, later on in the year. So um, whoever wins that point series gets to go to all these world championships events next year. Beautiful. Have you got a nickname? I think a good woodchopper has to have a nickname. Yeah, uh, they call me the woodpecker. <laughs> I like <laughs> it. Well, it's good to chat, woodpecker. Good luck with the uh, good luck with the future. Uh, thanks, mate. Cheers. Danny Green there. and fitness with Danny Green. He is our Saturday health and fitness regular from teamdannygreen.com today. You, hello, Greeny. Good morning, Seb. How are you, mate? I'm tucking into my porridge. There's a couple of nuts in there. Am I doing the right thing breakfast-wise? Yeah, you are, but that's yes. perfect, and that's that's important too. Mate, everyone makes a mistake of um, you know missing out on the most important meal of the day. So, breakfast is uh, you know is 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 the, is the only way to start the day um, in in the right way. Do you I subscribe guess, to that old that that theory that you hear that breakfast is the most important meal? A hundred percent, mate. It's, it kickstarts your metabolism, so it's actually a people, people think they skip breakfast because they don't want to eat because they want you know if they're trying if they're trying to lose weight. It's it's a myth. If you actually have breakfast, a good healthy breakfast, you make the right choice. It kickstarts your metabolism, which then helps you. You know, I guess it's a great way to have energy for the day. Get you going. Now, mate, you've been known to smash a protein shake in your day. Do you prefer that or do you go the actual sort of food, the porridge, the hard stuff? 
No, I'll have the food. I yep. prefer to have the food, but I'll have a. I actually start the day most days with a shake. So I have two eggs in uh, in in a shake. I have some blueberries, put some strawberries in there, um, throw in a banana, and I'll just use water and then mix it up, and then down she goes. And it's a, it tastes great because the berries give it the sugar, the sweetness. Uh, eggs give you the protein. The banana gives you your carbohydrates because you've got to have carbohydrates. You've got to have a good mix, and I'll throw in some almonds for some healthy healthy fats. So you've got to have a good mix of fats carbohydrates and protein. Mate, you've obviously got the good blender. We're talking to Danny Green, teamdannygreen.com.au, his, his program. Greeny, just uh, before you came on air too, we were just bringing some news through of how uh, Muhammad Ali, the greatest, uh, has been hospitalised, a report that his nine children have been taken to his bedside. You met the great man, didn't you? Yeah, I, him. I was lucky enough to meet him at the Olympics in 2000 when I was there, and uh, yeah, it was a, it was a Pretty thrilled, mate. Obviously, to meet him is uh, is, is, a, is a dream come true because he's, he's an he's an icon. He's a reason. He's a reason, I guess, that professional boxing is allowed or is around today, and he's a reason that's uh, allowed me to make a uh, a living from from the sport that I love, mate. So, um, yeah, without doubt, it's, uh, it was a huge thrill. What did you say to him? Uh, mate, I, I um, uh, yeah, I kind of made a bit of a goose myself. I didn't know what to say. I was kind of starstruck. And I, when I got out of the seat, I just slapped him on the shoulder as hard as I could, not mean to. I was just like, you know, so thrilled. Just about broke the poor bugger's back <laughs> and said, mate, you're the effing crater. <laughs> and I felt so embarrassed. And I looked back and I was, when I was looking, when I was walking back, I was walking away. I was kind of shaking my head a bit embarrassed. And he wasn't saying much because unfortunately he was suffering right. pretty badly from Parkinson's disease. So he was just, his eyes were saying, he knew everything that was going on. His eyes were doing all the talking. He was looking back at me. He's kind of nodded his head going, it's okay, son. I understand. I know you're embarrassed. And yes, I am the effing <laughs> And he And he is. He, he absolutely is. Mate, yeah, a great story. Yeah. Must be a great memory. Team Danny Green, of course. Uh, will you go tuck into a nutritious breakfast? I'm on my way, mate. I'm just big stuff of the day. <laughs> exactly right. Good to check, ready. Have a good day, mate. Cheers, Seb. A real privilege to have on the line one of the greats of Australian cricket. Very good morning to Steve Waugh. Good morning, Seb. Who is Australia's best cricketer as we speak? Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, I think if you asked uh, all the young kids uh, from sort of 10 to 16, they'd probably say David Warner or Steve Smith, and that's um, a pretty fair call. I think those guys are uh, at the top of their games. Uh, Mitchell Stark obviously would be in the mix somewhere. I think he's one of the best bowlers in the world. So we've got a lot of world-class players, and they've got someone like Usman Khawaja, who um, looks set to have a, a fantastic year ahead. So it's difficult, but if I had to pick one, you'd probably have to say that um, you know, the Dave Warner is the one that uh, all the kids want to follow. Steve, you are credited with really strengthening the baggy green culture in your time uh, with the Australian cricket team. Is that culture still as strong now as it is then? Yeah, I think so, and uh, it's probably best reflected in our T20 results at the World Cup recently where we uh, we didn't quite make it to uh, where we wanted to get to, and that was because that the Australian cricket focus is really on test match cricket, and that's a priority, and that's a great thing. And um, as a, a fallout from that, we haven't really focused too much on 2020 cricket, which um, a lot of other countries have, like the West Indies. So um, I think that's a credit to cricket Australia in a lot of ways that... Um, we still believe that's a pinnacle of the game, and I think it underpins everything else in, in cricket. So, uh, yeah, we, we still believe that um, that uh, test cricket is a pinnacle, and uh, senior players lead the way, like Steve Smith and guys like that, who always say that you know the baggy green is, is what it's all about. What's your view of the way that players are being spread across the three formats that we have now? I mean, would you like to see 
a purist test team, given that, you know, obviously I take it it's your view that that is the pinnacle of Australian cricket? Or, I mean, do you, do you, uh, are you comfortable with a guy like Steve Smith who seems to slip into every format? Oh, look, I think players at the top of the game, they want to play uh, as much as they can. They want to test themselves across each format. And look, financially, you, you can't hide the fact that T20 is, is where the money's being made for the players. I mean, they go to India for you know, um, six weeks and they, can up, they earn around $2 million US a top player. So you can't expect those guys not to focus on that form of the cricket as well. So I think the good guys, or the really great players, uh, excel at all forms of the game. They try and play as much as they can. Steve, I've followed your career. I've read a lot about how the power of the mind is something that got the achievements that you got in your career. But I've always wanted to ask, if you're at one end thinking, I am the best player on this field... How do you actually triumph over a bloke at the other end who thinks he's the best? Yeah, well, I think you learn over a period of time to sort of bluff your way a little bit. But uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, I think you've, what you have got to do is you've got to put the hard work in to start with. So you've got to have a really solid base. So under those pressure situations, you know that your technique's going to stand to stand up to it. That's the number one thing that you know your game's pretty solid and you can handle the pressure. And then secondly, when you come up against someone, you just don't back down. You don't let them know that you're, you're feeling pressure or you're a little bit... Um, not sure of yourself, you go with a really positive um, body language and um, you control the situation as best you can and all of a sudden the other person at the other end backs down because they think you're in control. So there's a bit of bit of bluff in it, but at the end of the day you've got to have that solid base underpinning it so you can actually perform in that pressure situation. Assert yourself. Now, mate, you're an ambassador now for A.V. Jennings. Great partnership between them and the yep. Steve Waugh Foundation. And as part of that, both of us are going to be a part of the business and sport luncheon that the Saints are putting on at the Palladium. That's next Friday, the 10th of June. Tickets still available, saintshospitality.com.au. And there's going to be a lot of big AFL names there too, the likes of Jason Dunstall, Barry Hall, Jonathan Brown, Matty Richardson. Yep. Have there been footballers? I mean, I know you're a, you're a New South Welshman, but uh, have there been AFL players that you have admired as a sportsman? Oh, look, uh, we, we, look, I'm a big sports follower across across the board, and particularly in that Australian side. There's a lot of Victorian uh, players who played Test cricket, so they're always talking about the AFL, and we followed it closely. I mean, I was there in the '89 um, Grand Final between Geelong and Hawthorne, which is one of the all-time great games, and. I still remember that as one of the sporting highlights. So, yeah, look, I've, I've followed a lot of these guys, um, you know, Dunstall Hall, you know, Brown and Richardson, who are going to be there next week. They're, they're players I've looked up to. Um, you know, Gary Ablett was certainly a player that I uh, thought was a pretty amazing player, and now his son is, uh, is equally incredible. So that's a great sporting dynasty there. Uh, and these days I do a bit of work with the GWS Giants. Um, a couple of years ago I started a bit of a mentoring program with... Um, the younger players, I'm really uh, pleased with the way they've progressed this year. They're looking in great shape. Who in that group has impressed you in the way that, uh, I guess, they've, they've taken the lessons of the support staff there and put it into practice, which we've seen on the field? Look, I think across the board, they're, they're a really smart organisation. They've got really good administration. Um, you, know, you know, younger players like you know, Phil Davis and Callum Ward and those guys are really good leaders. And I just did some work last week with a, a young group of leaders in the club. So they're very focused on always looking at the future and not just being concerned with their current group of players, but how are they going to develop players in, into the next five or ten years? So I think that's a really smart move. Um, St Kilda, you know, another club that um, I'm sort of associated with via A.V. Jennings with Peter Summers. I think they're a club also that is on the, on the improve and they've had a couple of tough years, but I think that they'll come back. They're, they're a club with a great history and tradition and I think they'll, they'll come back strongly. Steve Waugh, great to catch up on Triple M. Yeah, look forward to catching up next week. Thanks. The Business and Sport Lunch, he refers to there. Friday, 10th of June, tickets, saintshospitality.com.au.
The Dolphins, the Australian swim team, are going to have a huge games. I couldn't be more excited. I reckon at the moment that organisation is coming together and is just looking like there's so much positivity and optimism around it, which is awesome. And a man who is part of that team is going to represent this country in Rio. Goes by the name of Josh Beaver. Morning, Josh. Morning, Sev. In the 200-metre backstroke, let us into the mind of what it feels like to have qualified for an Olympic team. Yeah, well, definitely. You firstly nailed it. The swim, swim, Australian swimming teams are in a really great position heading into the Olympics. And um, me, my, me personally being my first Olympics, I'm really excited. And um, it's been a long four years since missing London 2012. How and close were you to London? Yeah, I was point two, so basically a little clap. Point two yeah. of a second. Point two of a second, yeah. Oh. So it, it did haunt me for a little bit there, definitely. But um, going back four years, I've learned a lot in the last four years and put together a really um, good lifestyle choices and so on like that. And now I put myself in a really good position to perform come, come Rio. So what do you do when you say lifestyle choices? What do you, you know, get off the P1S5 or, or what are you talking about there? Yeah. So I've decided to um, start seeing sports psych, um, yeah. in terms of like having like a social outlet to, to life as well. Um, it's been really important, but most important part for me has been the sports psych and, and learning things on a day-to-day basis that definitely helped me in the pool, but outside of outside of the pool as well. And I'm putting me in the most healthy mind space to, at the end of the day, compete and, and do the best for myself. But it's great to see you here out of the pool because I always feel for you swimmers, you've just given absolutely everything you've got. You get out of the pool and then you've got to do those poolside interviews where you're absolutely blowing up. Is, is it hard to do when they stick a microphone in your face fresh out the water? Yeah, it is, um, <laughs> definitely. But it, it'd just be like a halftime report at the, at the footy, for instance, and pulling some bloke that's just run 100 metres max, for instance, and then just <laughs> Asking him, how are you going? Yeah, <laughs> of yeah. course, you're going to tell the truth. <laughs> you do? And why backstroke? Why did you decide that that was uh, your go? Yeah, I, I didn't like looking at the bottom of the pool, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, obviously, um, I had it from a young age, and I thought oh, I'd give it a go. And um, obviously, as a kid, played footy and did athletics and basketball and all the other stuff the kid does. But um, swimming was a thing, and backstroke was it for me. And it came technically, it came pretty good, easy for me. And um, obviously, I did freestyle and, and butterflies growing up. But um Backstroke was the thing for me eventually, and um, it sort of took over, and now uh, that's what I do, <laughs> swim backwards. <laughs> Mate, we love it. We're talking to Josh Beaver from the Australian swim team. Mate, as somebody who is obviously so excited to be there, does it surprise you when we see the tennis boys who decide they don't want to be a part of it? Yeah, it is. It's pretty disappointing, to be honest. Um, it's, But it is what it is at the end of the day, and we're, we're going over there to do our best for our country, and... Um, those, those guys obviously got other ideas and, um, we're as a swim team, we're going over there to win, uh, as many medals as we can, but also to do the best for our country. And, um, if they're not going to be doing it for the um, best of their country, they're obviously, um, doing it for themselves and, um, it is what it is. Yeah, mate, you've nailed it. And I think a lot of people will hear the name Josh Beaver and say, that is a man I want to watch come Rio. What? Where to from here? Uh, big training camp. How much work is there to do before August? Yeah, so I've just come off of Japan. I just returned from Japan on uh, last Sunday. Uh, raced over in Japan for the first first few days and then had an extensive training camp over there with my squad and a squad up in Queensland. Um, between now, I've got basically six weeks of uh, really intensive work. Heading off to the US on the 13th of July uh, for a week in San Diego and then a week uh, on the staging camp in, with Auburn, um, at Auburn. Uh, with the rest of the Australian team as a, as a staging camp and then through to, through to Rio on the 1st of August as, and racing starts on the 5th of August. So uh, not a lot of time. I think it was about 62 days as of 
as of today. So uh, not not a whole lot of time, but it's, it, before you know it, it'll be here. So You can't see, Joshy, but if you just imagine the fittest person you've ever seen, multiply it by seven, and you've got the bloke that I'm looking at right now. I reckon you are primed to just smash it, come Rio, and we wish you all the best. No worries. Thank you very much for having me. Josh Beaver, remember the name Turidan Boy too. They breed them good out there. Yesterday, we were reporting that Muhammad Ali had been hospitalised with a respiratory issue. The family spokesperson said that a short stay in hospital was expected. Well, that situation appears to have escalated. And for more, we'll go to the scene. We'll cross over to the United States where the Nine Network's Tim Avia is currently. Morning, Tim. Thanks for your time. Mate, what is the situation as we know it to be at the moment? Well, so we're getting reports that uh, his situation has worsened somewhat and that family are now heading to the hospital. There are reports that, he's he- that the family are heading to the hospital to say their goodbyes, but these are, I must say, these are unconfirmed reports at this stage and there is a lot of speculation in the press about just how bad his health is because, look, he has been, it's no secret, he's been suffering ill health for years. So it's no surprise that he's been a frequent visitor to hospital over the last few years and it's no surprise that he's condition may have worsened if it has so really now we're just in a holding pattern just to wait and see you know when the family come out of the hospital just to see how bad he actually is what public statements have there been look the um ali's spokesman has downplayed the report and he says each ali hospitalization causes a media frenzy so at the moment the his people are playing a pretty straight bat to it all but Again, there are the other reports from media networks close to, close to the scene over there that are saying family and friends are visiting him. Some of people are saying they're saying their goodbyes, but again, they're unconfirmed reports. So we're just waiting to see what's actually happening here. But obviously he is very sick. He has been sick for years. And it's uh, just a wait and see situation at the moment. We're talking to Tim Avia from the Nine Network about the situation regarding Muhammad Ali. And, and Tim, one last one. How is it playing out? in America at the moment. Are the major networks running with this news or is there a sense of cautiousness? There's a bit of a sense of cautiousness at the moment, just obviously because he has been to hospital so many times. Um, but look, it is being reported. I mean, Muhammad Ali here, like in Australia, is a massive, massive deal. He's just such an inspirational figure in history and such a figure of history in, in sport and in politics and in, in race over here as well. So he's a, a giant figure. Um, you know, everyone's just hoping that he gets better, really. But it's you know there is a, a sense of you know a sense of doom somewhat, uh, you would say, just because he has been to hospital so many times that he has been sick so many times. Look, he it was meant to be a short stay, as you said, but it's uh, it's been a couple of days now. He, there were reports that he was at a function on the Wednesday before he went in, um, but look, you know, it, it, it's just a wait and see situation at the moment. And we all hope for the best. Tim, thanks for your time. No worries. Thanks, Dan. Cheers. Pumped to have this man on the program. Burst onto the scene in that famous 98 in England in his debut test. Extraordinary performance. Ashton Agar, good to chat. Yeah, good day. Thanks for having me, mate. You're just back from the World 2020 Cup team. Got out there uh, for one of the contests. How was that as an experience for a young man heading over to India for the World 2020? Uh, it was a really exciting experience, actually, just getting called up into the side. Um, I didn't really expect it at all, so that was a real buzz. Um, played in my first game and, and didn't go quite to plan, but um, it, it was just amazing to be part of a World Cup and to just to feel that feeling of what it feels like to play in a World Cup. Uh, it, the, the pressure and um, the excitement just, just lifts that a little bit more, and it was a, a really good ex- experience um, to play in and 
also for my development, I guess. What did Steve Smith say to you before your first World Cup game for Australia? Just relax and, and go out and do your best. I think when you um, when you get to that level, there's not more much more that people can say um, before the game. Well, mate, I mentioned before, you know, that amazing test knock uh, that sort of announced you on the scene as a real talent of Australian cricket in the 2020 World Cup squad as well. What's your favourite format? I, I can't say that I have a, a favourite format. Um, the longer form of the game, I, I guess, is the is the goal. Everyone wants to play test cricket. I love to to play test cricket, but I think um, I, I just I just love playing cricket. Um, I'm loving it more and more as as I play more and more. Actually, earlier on the show we had the great Steve Waugh on, and your name actually came up. Here's what he had to say. Maybe it was picked probably a little bit too early when you look at look at look at it. Um, but he's got enormous talent. I've spoken to Justin Langer about him, and he's um, you know, tremendous talent with the ball, but equally as much with the bat. And in fact, Adam, in fact, Justin Langer said he, he reminds me a bit of Adam Gilchrist with the bat, which is a huge um, accolade to have on his shoulders. High praise indeed, mate. Do you look up to someone like Gilly? Uh, absolutely, and that, that you know, very kind words from Steve Waugh, that's absolute legend of the game, and a, a good person in general. Um, and. I guess I, I definitely do look up to someone like Gilly. He was my one of my little brother's favourite batsmen forever. And um, he's someone I watched growing up and I loved the way he attacked the game and, and took the game on. And I guess that's how I like to play my cricket as well. So that was, um, yeah, it was very kind and nice to hear that. You're a Victorian, of course, really, let's be honest. Who's your footy team? I'm a St Kilda supporter. Well, mate, they're coming good. We're going really well this year. Yeah, it looks like we're building quite nicely. Um Good to, to knock Freo off the other day. It's yeah, exactly. Exciting. Get a little stick it to Rossi. Man. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, uh, not, you know, my mates in Perth weren't so happy, but uh, <laughs> you know, I was right. Oh, mate, you got bragging rights on uh, on all fronts there. That's fantastic. And, mate, you're also uh, involved with the uh, Y Generation Against Poverty organisation, which uh, is a terrific group. My cousin Elliot uh, runs that. And the Five Cent campaign has been a great success for them. You know, get the five cent pieces, give them to Y Gap, and it might not seem like much, but by the time they you know, get enough of them, it uh, can make a real difference. It absolutely does. Um, Travelling anywhere um, uh, overseas from Australia, like we're very lucky here, and that's not to say that... Um, people aren't at a disadvantage here as well so and that's a great thing that YGAP does I guess is help people in Australia too but also abroad and and there are people living in circumstances that are just unimaginable and um and to help educate some people and help maybe make a difference in their lives and maybe get them off the street and and spread the word of um trying to be you know good people it's fantastic, and I'm, I'm wrapped to be a part of it. Oh, well, it's fantastic that you would lend your name to it. And uh, you're right, the world needs more decency. That uh, I think we can all agree on. Well, mate, good luck uh, with everything cricket, everything off the field as well. Uh, Ashton Agar, been really cool to catch up. Thanks very much. Thanks a lot for having me. The top of the table, Kangaroos moved on last night with a 70-point win over the Tigers down in a very, very chilly Hobart. Just seven goals for Richmond. Damien Hardwick not too impressed. Sort of felt as if the you know the game was sort of over at quarter time. You know you, you can sit there and say we got some injuries, but the reality is they were very very good early and we we're poor. You know, it made you look like a, a bunch of schoolboys. Schoolboys. I think what Dim is really trying to say is this. It's a very fair question. Uh, how does that go again, Eddie Maguire? If you don't eat your meat, you don't get any pudding. 
353. If the Tigers were schoolboys last night, do any Richmond players deserve detention? We're having the discussion on Twitter as well, at Seb Costello 9. Ready. A bounce, a right for Nada. The biggest high-flying act you've ever seen in your life. Hey. Come on, mate. Follow me. Follow me to the bench. Fire. This is Brian Taylor. Looks like I'm the only one to win a Coleman and be in a film. And this is Bristles Missile. Take your flags and stick them you know where. BT, good morning. I want to ask you about Nick. I'm not going to the Olympics, Kyrgios, in just a few moments. But first, last night, the ruse by 70. Although I'm drawn to the second quarter when Lindsay Thomas is running into an open goal, has three teammates in the square, goes the left foot, Nana, and misses. What was yeah, that what? about? Well, he is a left footer, I guess, so he went with his preferred at least, but he did have, I reckon he had five other options, <laughs> and uh, he chose not to use, well, any of them, and uh, which was a little unusual. Well, how uh, would you have been back in the day if you're standing in the goal square, and you know, one of those, maybe uh, maybe one of those Collingwood on ballers is coming towards you, decides to be a hero, and ignores the barge? It would have been demonstrative behaviour, <laughs> I'm sure. And, uh, you know, it, it is a funny thing. We hone in on every little thing with Lindsay Thomas. But uh, And there was also an incident last night behind the play where he flopped and tried to get the free kick. He just fell over when a guy pushed him. But, you know, you just got to get out of this. And this is why it wasn't... Last week wasn't about the free kicks because I reckon the free kicks were actually there. It was more about... Um, the, the, the six or seven years leading up to that where he hadn't acted the way he should have and that's why people focus in on him. So, you know, I'm talking quietly, Sid, because I'm at the airport and I don't want to make a dick of myself. Ah, very good. Well, that, mm. that'd be a first for you. Uh, the Pies take on the power at 110 on the MCG bristle. Travis Cloak back in the side. How do you expect him to go? That's on Sunday, yeah. Look, uh, look, he'd go well. I, I would have thought he would have only had one or two games in the VFL and then would have been back. But the fact he's been out for, what is it, six weeks, Seb, or five weeks, something like six that? Six weeks. Yeah, which is incredible. Uh, I thought he would have been back in a lot earlier than this week. What that said to me was the length of that break said to me that they really had moved on and they were going in a completely different direction. And that spells danger for Cloak. Uh, you know, I, I think if he'd he was going to be part of the furniture and part of the setup the oncoming years, then he would have been one, maybe two games in the VFL and then back in. The fact he's been six weeks says to me they have moved on mentally uh, and with other players. Could he play for another club before the end of his career? Look, he's getting on a bit. Is he 32? I think he's somewhere mm. around that age. Look, I think he could because he's so fit and aerobically fit and uh, still can play some pretty good football. I'd have him my side. I mean, you know, you look at what uh, what they're trying to... You look at Jared Waite, for instance, last night at North Melbourne. Well, he's gone there, similar age, and providing them with good output. There's no reason why Travis Cloak couldn't go to Fremantle, say, and, and do a good job there for them. Turned 29 this year, actually, Cloak. Oh, so, 29. Well, yeah. he, he can, definitely, given yeah. his age, yeah. And Bristol, Nick Kyrgios yesterday says, I've been disparaged and disrespected by the AOC, so I'm not going to represent my country in Rio. Do we just fantastic. have to give up on the- <laughs> this? Is, uh, this is fantastic news that we won't have to uh, worry about him on the day us winning a gold, silver or bronze. It is fantastic news that he's not going. Uh, what he forgot to mention was he hadn't been selected at this stage, of course, <laughs> yeah. and uh, therefore uh, I don't know what he, what, how he wanted to be cuddled by the um, AOC, but uh, he, he's, he's a deal. Look, we couldn't have someone like that representing us in real sport and I think it's indicative of tennis. Just throw tennis out. Get rid of tennis and golf. Get back to the Olympic sports that were the sports. Why every Olympic game, Seb, do we have to induct a new sport? Why yeah. is it? 
Why does that have to happen? It's Yeah, I agree with you. It's part of the charter, particularly the home nation gets to introduce anything they like. But Brian, right. in the spirit of Nick Kyrgios, I'd just like to announce I won't be playing for the Golden State Warriors on Game 2 on Monday. <laughs> just want to put well, that out there. Yeah. BT, safe travels. We shall talk next Saturday. Good on you, Seb. Morning, Nearly Meadows. On that note, hi, Seb. Now, the sharpest tongues in sport we want to drill down to because Sam Thayaday, look, he had, a, he had a moment that won't be forgotten quickly at State of Origin this week, and we'll play it in just a couple of moments. But there are some people who do entertain us with the post-game interviews. Yeah, and Sam Thayaday, look, whether you liked what he said or you didn't like what he said, he was he, he's got a history of being very, very funny. And I'll tell you a couple of examples after we listen to the, what he said on uh, Wednesday night. How was that, Sam? Yeah, it was a bit like uh, losing your virginity. Uh, it wasn't uh, very nice, but we got the job done. <laughs> yeah. So whether or not you find it funny, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't find it offensive. I can understand. I reckon that he can do, do better than that, old Sammy. He can, yep. and he has. Okay. So my favourite one, and this is still my favourite mm-hmm. uh, answer that any sportsman has ever given me in a press conference. I asked him in 2012, "Does this Queensland side have a weakness?" And without a breath of air, he says, yep, buffets, <laughs> which is just exceptional without uh, any notice. Yes. And his other really good one that I loved it back in uh, when Carmichael Hunt was about to make the swap over to uh, AFL. Yes, and the, we're uh, talking about Sam Thiday, second row rugby league player for Queensland. When uh, when Carmichael Hunt was going to make the swap over and the team brought out a bunch of footies, brought out a bunch of uh, uh, Sharons at the training session just to take the mickey out of him and trying to do the right thing. And a, uh, a couple of the journos said to uh, Sam, so Sam, I saw you got the Sharons out at training. And he responds, Sharon? Who's Sharon? <laughs> so he be, does have form. It must be something in the rugby coves that leads to people being quite loquacious because I do enjoy the work of Nick Cummins, the honey badger. Yeah, look, there's a couple of big who was getting about when the start of this season turns up, the boys will be, uh, you know, going off like a like a ball in a china shop. Yeah, mate, oh buddy, uh, look, right up a drain pipe. One of them runs there, but sweating like a gypsy with a mortgage actually when he yes. when he got up after scoring that try. When you come into this sort of game, you, I suppose you got to show the patience of the Dalai Lama. Oh, but I'm going up and over, and mate, he head over biscuit. Thought he was uh, he was sweating <laughs> like a bag of cats at a greyhound meet there before the game. Very nice work. One triple three five three. We've got some tickets to give away to Now You See Me Too, which uh, got into cinemas on June the 2nd. Who is the sharpest tongue in sports? One triple three five three. Give us a call. The people you enjoy hearing interviewed at 9 to 9, Niz. And Nick Cummins is a ripping bloke as well. From the sharpest to the bluntest, but also sharpest, <laughs> Ross Lyon. He has plenty of examples, particularly this year. Just uh, on Thursday, I think it was, he was asked about whether or not the Essendon-Frio game, it's fair that we're calling it the Wooden Spoon Showdown. Mm. Well, we're just dealing facts. We haven't won a game and they've won one, so I think we're contenders. We try and win every week, so we prepare like it's a grand final every week. And that last bit of that grab actually uh, explains why they haven't won a game, because neither Frio or Ross Lyon have ever won a grand final either. <laughs> no, it is difficult. One triple three five three. the sharpest tongues in sport. G'day, Tanina. Norma Plummer. And who's that? She's the Australian, the old Australian nipple coach. Ah, and what did, what did she do that impressed you? <laughs> yeah, she, she called um, our Kiwi girls a bunch of scrubbers. Oh, That's ouch. not very nice. Oh, that's okay. She's, she's an amazing coach anyway. <laughs> oh, good on her. Thanks for the call, Tanina. Andrew at Seaford, who'd you like to nominate? 
I watched nominate Novak Djokovic. Very good call, mate. A couple of movie tickets coming your way too. You've scored a season pass to Now You See Me Too in cinemas on June the 2nd. Peter Dees Molden, who's the sharpest tongue in sport? Big bad Brian Taylor. The bristle man. <laughs> Very good call there. Thank you, Pete. You can go to the uh, centre ice. Centre ice tickets to watch Canada play the USA in the 2016 Ice Hockey Classic. They are yours. It's live at Rod Labor this June. Book now at Ticket Tech. Now, Nez, Chris Gale. We yep. told uh, he's not coming back for the Big Bash, is he? No, he's not coming back. The Renegades have said that they're not interested in him coming back. They did an interview overnight on the BBC where he talked about that situation and how he was unhappy. Part of uh, his book promotion tour for his book, Sex Six Addict is the name of the book, Six Addict. And here is what he said on the BBC. Straight up, a lot of double standard. You know, being a part of the Big Bash for so many years, who actually build the Big Bash, you know, from day one. You know, this, the same name they used to build the Big Bash, um, the same name they want to tarnish, you know. Chris Gale was the actual name, started the Big Bash. Uh, it's just ridiculous, you know. How can you, you know, brand me for running a joke like that, you know. So, it's ridiculous how they go about it, though. Trying to use me as a, as a big scapegoat. Has he been treated unfairly? Absolutely not. I completely agree with him. He has been a massive part of the Big Bash being built. I remember being a Western Warriors fan and watching him smash sixes at the Wacker when it was the original 2020 comp. I feel let down because I don't get to watch that as an Aussie cricket fan and so does every other Aussie cricket fan out there. But he's brought this upon himself. He's entertaining on the cricket field. He's entertaining most of the time in presses when he's talking about cricket. But then he takes it a step too far and he takes it a step too far over and over and over and over again. That is the opposite of the definition of a scapegoat. Very nicely done. Chris Gale, what's the book called again? Uh, Six Machine. No, oh, is it called you Six got, Machine? You, you, Did I just make up his book title? Well, I think you've got other things on your mind. No, I am just thinking like but about sport. Well, look, to take us out, uh, I think there's only one man who can do it. Thank you for joining us on the Weekend Breakfast, and it's all you, Peter Hitchener. Peace out, bros. <laughs> Triple M's Weekend Breakfast with Seb Costello for Eagle Ridge. The golf and pie offer is back. EagleRidge.com.au